Greetings, friends. Good morning, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. The website is www.scriptureandprophecy. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, this is the week leading into the Feast of Passover, or Pesach. Now, most calendars have uh, Passover starting uh, Saturday night, so March 27th, Saturday night. And uh, so I'm just, uh, you know, I don't argue over the dates. I know some people have some different views on when those dates are. Uh, We just do the best we can. Um, But, uh, you know, this weekend is when a majority of those who celebrate or uh, acknowledge Passover or memorialize Passover, rather, uh, that's when uh, it'll be starting. So Saturday night. Uh, which is fitting, right? Leading into Sunday morning, uh, Resurrection Sunday, and so I just kind of—you know—I was kind of wrestling this morning with what should we do um, for the podcast today and and the days leading up to this week through this week, and um, you know what I really just ended up falling on is I think I'm just going to read through this this booklet that I put together uh, last year. Uh, you may remember last year I put together a little booklet. Uh, it's still on Amazon. I think the Kindle version is $0.99, cents and maybe the paperback version is like three ninety nine or something. There's also just a free PDF version that you're welcome to look at uh, at the website. Um, if you go to scriptureandprophecy.com backslash Passover-2020, you'll find it. Uh, if you can't remember that, just go to the website, hit the little search icon at the top right. Looks like a little hour, like a little magnifying glass, and just type in the word Passover and you'll find it. But I'm just going to read through that I put together last year. And the title of the book was Passover 2020. Could this be the year of the next great exodus? And everything, the reason why I'm going to work through it again this year is because everything in here is still relevant. <laughs> Um, the thoughts still remain the same. In fact, some of the th- issues that we were dealing with in 2020, uh, some of those same anxieties and things are still here now. Uh, and the Passover message obviously never changes. The interesting thing about Passover is, is it seems to deal with two themes. Number one, you have the theme that it deals with Exodus. It deals with uh, being rescued from captivity. And it, we see this in multiple places. We have the original story in Exodus, right? Wherever they had the Passover, which obviously sometime this week we're going to read out of Exodus. But it's not the only place. In fact, you can go to the prophet or the book of Ezra. Um. And you go to chapter 6, and, and you know, this is right after the Babylonian captivity. You go to verse 19, and it says, And the children of the captivity kept the Passover upon the 14th day of the first month. And the priests and the Levites were purified together. All of them were pure and killed the Passover for all the children of captivity and for their brethren the priest and for themselves and the children of Israel, which were come again out of captivity. By the way, this is, this is Babylonian captivity, not the exodus of Egypt. This is after the Babylonian captivity. And all such as had separated themselves unto them from the filthiness of the heathen of the land, to seek the Lord of Israel, did eat 
and kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy. For the Lord had made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria unto them to strengthen their hands and the work in the house of God, of the, of God, the God of Israel. So Exodus is, or uh, Passover is always associated with this idea of Exodus, of of being rescued out of captivity. We see it in you know, the very first Passover, the Exodus out of Egypt. We see it here in Ezra as they're uh, coming out of the Babylonian captivity and going back into their land to rebuild Jerusalem. And then, of course, we, we have the Passover, meaning being passed over literally from God's wrath. We see it in Exodus with the blood on the doorpost, the, lamb, the blood's lamb on the doorpost, and the death angel passed by. And then, of course, the greatest Passover of all, the lamb without spot or blemish, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, Yeshua, who was the Passover lamb, who now we are passed over from God's wrath and eternal damnation because we're covered and we're washed clean in the blood of the lamb. And so these are two big themes that are woven through Scripture when we're thinking of Passover. Let me just start reading out of this little booklet here that I put together. And at some point I'd like to rewrite this to make it uh, to have a little more information in it and to not be specific to the time frame right now. You know, it was written for 2020. Um, but... You know, right now it's still got a lot of good information and it's not very long. So let's just start working through it and see what we can get accomplished this morning. And I just pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you would be blessed, that you would be encouraged, and that you'd be taken this week to think about all of this leading up to the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And don't get caught up in the dates and, and those kind of arguments. Just let it be a position of your heart towards God. Let's look at this. Here's what I wrote. First chapter is called the Feast of Passover. The, pe the Feast of Passover is one of several feasts God gave his people to observe and to remember. These feasts are not just religious things to do. Rather, they are believed to point to the Messiah. Every year when the feasts come around, I put myself on high alert. I wonder, is this the time when God will do something incredible? Most Christians today are confused about these feasts. They think they're just religious actions the Jews used to do during the Old Testament times, or worse, they don't know about the feast at all. Why? Because frankly, most pastors don't teach or know about them either. The word feast in Hebrew is the word moed which more accurately means appointed time. These are the times and specific dates in which God has ordained typically to do amazing and important work in regards to his people. We can see these feasts laid out for us in the book of Leviticus chapter 23. However, in this book, we will only examine the Feast of Passover. As you read about these events through Scripture, remember when you see the word, the English word feast, it means appointed time. Let's take a quick look at the first verses of Leviticus chapter 23. Here's what it says. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them concerning the feast of the Lord, 
which you shall proclaim in the holy convocations, each, even these are my feast. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwelling. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their season. And on the fourteenth day of the first month, at evening, is the Lord's Passover. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. And the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. And the seventh, seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. When you see the phrase, Feast of the Lord, throughout Scripture, the more accurate meaning in the original Hebrew could be the appointed times of Yehovah. Of Yehovah. Yes, God is telling the Israelites to perform certain rituals and ceremonies and, and to have actual feasts, but more importantly, He is telling them to pay attention. Because these are His appointed times. Times He has ordained and chosen in advance to do amazing works. In this short booklet, we will be asking, we will be taking a closer and deeper look into the Feast of Passover, specifically, but not limited to Passover in the year 2020. Of course, we're in the year 2021 now. I believe something prophetic could be happening in our generation right now. We need to open our eyes, minds, and hearts to the possibility to prepare ourselves for what is to come. Now again, I wrote this for 2020, but nothing has changed. The same mindset, the same heart we need to have in us right now. Let's look at the very first Passover. In the book of Exodus, we read about the very first feast of Passover. The Hebrews were commanded to kill a lamb, put his blood on the doorpost outside their house, go inside and eat the Passover meal with haste. While they were inside eating the meal, God would then pour out his judgment upon Egypt as a plague would sweep through, killing the firstborn of Egypt. However, when the Lord would see the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of the Hebrews, he would pass over those homes and the Hebrews would be protected and the plagues would not touch them. Now, this story is just littered with prophetic meanings and foreshadows which point to the Messiah and his death on the cross. We will examine his death in the final Passover a bit later. For now, let us look at the beginning of the Exodus Passover story and see if there is a prophetic meaning to be had for us right now. So we'll read in Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye to the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto the house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it unto the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of it the blood and strike it on two side posts on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat it the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, 
and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not it of it raw, nor sodom with water, but roast it with fire, his head with his legs, and with the puritans thereof, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning shall burn with fire, and thus shall you eat it. This is an important line to remember. And thus shall you eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. What I find very interesting is the part where they are commanded to be inside their house and eat with haste. Not only eat with haste, but to be completely dressed with their shoes on and with their staff in hand. Let's look at it again. Exodus 12, 11, And thus shall you eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. You see, the Hebrews needed to be ready to leave Egypt at a moment's notice. They needed to be prepared and ready to answer the call. The judgment was going to come down on the Egyptians, and afterwards the Hebrews would be hurried out of the land and free from their bondage. This has great prophetic meaning for us today. Just like the Hebrews, we are to be ready. The Passover story is teaching us to take this posture, knowing that the Lord could appear in the sky at any moment. This is why I believe it's important for Christians to memorialize the Exodus Passover story and to have a Passover meal while also being dressed with our shoes on and ready to go if the trumpet were to sound from heaven. Next chapter. Passover. 2020, a prophetic time. Now, this is where I write a little bit about what we were dealing with in 2020. I'm going to still read it again uh, because we're still dealing with these same anxieties and we still have the same prophetic meanings. So let me just go into it. I'm not going to argue over rapture doctrine or to attempt to predict the return of Messiah. I am, however, one to point out an interesting sign and ask questions in order to get myself and others to think and consider about our current situation. Now here's the part where I go into what we were dealing with but last April. As I'm writing these words on April 4th, 2020, we are only a few days away from Passover, which will begin at sunset on April 8th. Of course, this year it's March 28th, right? 27th. At this very moment, the world seems to be falling apart around us, and Christians are faced with a very interesting, albeit frightening, challenge right now. Not just Christians, but Christians and non-believers alike, nearly all of humanity. This situation we are facing is unprecedented. A virus is sweeping the plains of the earth and has caused great hysteria among the people. Although one might argue the government and the media around the world are actually to blame for the mass hysteria, Either way, the hysteria exists, and most of the world is currently under quarantine orders from their government. This is a very frightening time because there seems to be no real end in sight. 
Each day, the headlines and predictions get worse. The reported cases and death continue to rise. There is much fear among the people, not just fear of the virus itself, but of the fallout as a result of the virus. Many believe the world's economies will not survive a complete shutdown of nearly every industry. I fear they may be correct for their concerns. Others think this will lead to a complete social and economic collapse, which will in return lead to a one-world government and the arrival of the Antichrist and the biblical end of days. I can see how this is also possible. Time will tell. I'm personally praying for the miracles of God to be demonstrated around the world, causing a great revival and a great awakening of the nations. I'm praying for peace, prosperity, hope, and joy to return to the earth. After all, what do we have if we don't have hope? We are left with nothing but despair. I say all of this to point out a very interesting theme and maybe prophetic meaning for Passover this year. For the first time, since the very first Passover in Egypt, all God's people will be celebrating with just their intimate families, quarantined inside their homes to avoid the plague. There will be no church Passover gatherings, large seders, or synagogue gatherings. Even Israel, just like America, and most of the rest of the world is under lockdown, stay-at-home orders. Essential travel only. At this moment, as I write this, we may only leave to buy groceries or go to work if considered essential. Of course, things are a little different now, right? Absolutely, we'll be able to gather in churches, at least in most parts of the United States. We still have a few states that are just bent on being as authoritarian as possible. But at least in the state I live in, the... the mandates don't apply to houses of faith and so that's not a non-issue so some things have changed and gotten better but some of the concerns are still there this Passover going back to the booklet we will be in our homes with the door shut and by the way this is every Passover right? eating Passover meal and with our families we are all praying and hoping for the plague to move on to pass and not to touch our loved ones in addition we are also praying for God and all of his mercy to bring an end to the sadness. I'm reminded of a passage in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 26. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut the door about thee. Hide thyself as if it were for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. Could there be something prophetic happening during Passover this year? I'm not sure about you, but I plan to dress nicely and enjoy the Passover meal. I will be remembering how God rescued the Hebrews out of Egypt, how the plague didn't come near those who had the covering of the blood. I'm going to eat it with my shoes on, my loins girded, and with haste. I'm going to prepare my heart for the possibility I might be called out of this land and brought to a land flowing with milk and honey prepared by God, a land flowing with peace and the joy of Messiah, flowing with hope, light, and the Spirit of God. Chapter 4 Jesus, Yeshua, the Passover Lamb the Passover we read about in Exodus is also a great foreshadow to what the Messiah would do for the whole world. For anyone who would put their faith and trust in him. Jesus was crucified on Passover. He was the lamb without spot or blemish. 
His blood was shed for all of us, so that God might pass over our sins, and we might avoid his wrath. Much like the Hebrews had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost in the Exodus story, we too are covered by the sacrificial blood of Messiah. This is the completion of the Passover story. This is what it's really all about. It's about Jesus, his death and resurrection. It is about him becoming a sacrifice for us all. Not only do we see the obvious foreshadows in the Exodus Passover story, but we see the prophets proclaiming it as well. And then, it being confirmed by the New Testament letters written by the apostles. Isaiah 53, 7 says this, He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. When John the Baptist saw Jesus on the horizon, he proclaimed Jesus was the lamb who would take away our sins. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29 says this, The next day John seeing Jesus coming to him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. The Apostle Paul tells us to cleanse our leaven, which represents sin, that we might become a new lump because of Jesus being the Passover Lamb. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7-8 through 8 say this, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I should point out and note that Paul right here says, let us keep the feast, right? He didn't say, ignore it and celebrate Easter. What did he say? He said, therefore, let us keep the feast. Continuing in the book, this theme runs through the Bible, making it very clear. Jesus is the final Passover. He is the lamb whose blood was shed for us so that God might pass over our sins and his wrath will not come near us. I'm amazed at how few Christians know and understand the Passover story. After all, it's made very clear. Even if you read the New Testament letters, Paul even tells us in the verse quoted above to keep the feast. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. This is simple because the feasts are rarely taught in churches anymore. This is simply because the feasts are rarely taught in churches anymore. Passover has been replaced with the religious Easter tradition. Now, I have no problem celebrating Resurrection Sunday and praising God for raising the Messiah from the dead. After all, it is because of his resurrection that we now have the hope that we will also one day rise. However, I do have a problem with paganism entering the church and Passover being forgotten. It is a great tragedy, and many Christians are missing out on the importance of the Feast of Passover, its prophetic meanings, and foreshadows to Messiah. Chapter 5 Passover Resurrection As I mentioned earlier, I'm not one to argue over rapture doctrine. 
I'm not interested in debating whether the catching up of the saints is pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation. I happen to think we're all a little right and a little wrong. I prefer to keep my eyes on Jesus, Yeshua, with an expectation he could arrive at any moment. There are countless examples in the Bible where Jesus warns us to always be watching and ready for his return. I recommend checking out my devotional book on the end of days. I go into great detail and spend the first seven days of the devotional talking about this very subject. You can find it at scriptureandprophecy.com forward slash book. In regards to the rapture or the resurrection of the saints, there is an interesting event which is often missed or overlooked which took place on Passover during the crucifixion of Jesus. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 through 53. Here's the interesting event that's often overlooked. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Ele, ele, lama sapanani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man called for Elias. And straight away one of them ran and took a sponge and filled the vinegar and put it on the reed and gave it to him to drink. The rest said, Let it be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent and twain from top to bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saint, saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Did you catch that last verse? The graves were opened, and the saints who had passed away arose. Now it appears they rose from the dead at the crucifixion and then physically came out of the graves and appeared to many after the Messiah's resurrection. I suppose the timing could be argued, however, either way, this took place within a three-day window of Messiah's death, on the cross and his resurrection. My point is simply this. While we don't know the day nor the hour when Jesus will return or when we will be caught up in the air to meet him, I can't help but wonder if it will occur during a Passover feast day. After all, we just read an example of this happening during either the Feast of Passover or the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which immediately follows Passover. There are many arguments that can be made for a rapture or resurrection which would align with any of the feast and appointed times of Jehovah. All of them make valid points. With that being said, they cannot all be correct, but they could all be wrong as well. I just wanted to stir a thought within us and make us more aware of the possibility for a second Passover exodus or even a catching away event. Chapter 6 The Catching Away In regards to the rapture or catching away, there is one argument I'm willing to debate. As I mentioned multiple times before, I don't want to argue over whether the catching away is pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation. The reason being, I simply don't know for certain, and I don't want to make claims out of ignorance or for the purpose of protecting a favorite pet doctrine. I'd rather take a position of humility and admit I'm unsure. However, 
I will partake in one argument, and that is whether or not anyone believed in a catching away or rapture before the 1800s. There are those who claim rapture doctrine is a made-up theory which didn't exist until the 1800s. This is ridiculous and quite easily refuted. First off, the catching away is clearly in Scripture. Let us look at what Paul told the Corinthians. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be rise incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Again, Paul describes this event to the, Seth, to the Thessalonians. Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13-18. through but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that which were alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We also see an interesting description of the catching away in the apocryphal book of Second Esdras. This particular book was included in the 1611 King James Bible long before the 1800s. The book was later removed from the Bible in the late 1800s. So here's what the apocryphal book of 2nd Esther says. Chapter 6, verses 20 through 25, the 1611 King James Bible. Long before the 1800s, when supposedly the rapture doctrine was invented. Here's what it says. And suddenly shall the sown places appear unsown. The full storehouses shall suddenly be found empty, and the trumpet shall give a sound, which when every man heareth, they shall suddenly be afraid. At that time shall friends fight one another like enemies, and the earth shall stand in fear with those who dwell therein, and the springs of the fountains shall stand still, and in three hours they shall not run. Whosoever remaineth from all these that I have told thee shall escape, and shall see my salvation at the end of the world. And the men that are received shall see it, who have not tasted death from their birth, and the heart of the inhabitants shall be changed and turned into another meaning. For evil shall be put out, and deceit shall be quenched. As for faith it shall flourish, corruption shall be overcome, and the truth which has been so long without fruit shall be declared." So there's that verse, Whosoever remaineth from all of these that I have told shall escape and see my salvation in the end of your world, and the men that are received shall see it, who have not tasted death from their birth. There are so many interesting thoughts in this passage. I can't help but be taken back to verse 22, which speaks to the empty storehouses before the trumpet blast especially as we are seeing these shortages begin to take place here in America and around the world right now as people hoard and panic over the virus hysteria and lockdowns. Well, an argument can definitely be made about the timing of the catching way, or as it's commonly known, the rapture. One cannot deny the existence of the event. Even so, let us address the root argument. The real question is, were there people who believed in the rapture event during the times of the early church 
And the answer is yes. We have examples and quotes from early church fathers who believed in this event. I will not... It was not made up in the 1800s. I will show you one example from Irenaeus. This is written in A.D. 170. When the end that the church will suddenly be caught up from this, it is said there will be tribulations such such as not to have been seen since the beginning, nor will be. End of quote. Again, that's Arrhenius, A.D. 170. It's in uh, the the document entitled Against Heresies 529. He says, When the end that church will suddenly be caught up, when in the end that church will suddenly be caught up from this, it is said, there will be tribulations such as not been seen since the beginning, nor will be. So, Arrhenius is saying that the church will be caught up and then it's followed by tribulation. So, we cannot say that the doctrine was invented in the 1800s, friends. It's in an apocryphal book uh, that, that, goes, that was at the very least in the 1600s inside your King James Bible. We have quotes from people like Arrhenius from A.D. 170 making this suggestion. Let me continue reading here. I do not know when this event will take place. Like others, I can only guess and speculate. I am also unsure of how it will come about and what it will look like. We can get some general ideas from Scripture, apocryphal texts, and the early church fathers, but it still remains a mystery. Only the most prideful of believers can dare claim they have it all figured out. Alright, we're almost done here. We have a short little devotional I want to read for you about Passover. And I hope this gets you thinking about Passover and, and dwelling on it and helps you position and posture your heart and mind towards that as we move into it for this weekend. Here's the devotional. Hard times have come upon us in the year 2020. And much is uncertain. We must remember not to be filled with fear, but to be filled with faith. We must not be filled with despair for the future, but with a great expectation of God's grace and mercy. If you know Him and His Son, Jesus, we may remember the hope which is to be associated with the Feast of Passover. It is an appointed time of Jehovah, therefore expect miracles. Passover is a reminder for all believers that our sins have been covered and we will be passed over when the wrath of God is poured out upon the earth. As it is written, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9-10 Let us remember... The Feast of Passover is a spring feast. With the season of spring comes renewal and hope. The grass turns green. The trees begin to bud. The bright sun beats down on our skin, warming us and reminding us that better days are ahead. While winter is harsh, hard, and cold, spring brings new life and a reminder that summer is near. Be at peace, loved ones. And remember who your God is. He loves us and has not forgotten us nor forsaken us. This Passover, put on your best clothing. Eat a nice meal, including dessert. Rejoice in all that God has done for us and let us have a heart of thanksgiving. 
put on your shoes and have your staff in hand, for we might be called to leave quickly. However, if this is not the case, let us rejoice nonetheless, for God has given us time to bring in the harvest, more time to live for Him, and more time to be grateful and thankful, and more time to be a salt and a light to this hurting world. Habakkuk 3, 1 through 2 says this. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shiganoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy works in the midst of the years, and in the midst of the years make known, and in your wrath remember mercy. All right. Well, that is the content of the little booklet. Again, if you want a copy of it, it's very inexpensive on uh, Amazon, or if you go to the website and search for it in the little search box, search for Passover, you'll find the article. And at the bottom of the article, there's a little thing that says download, and you can get the PDF version for free. And then you can also see the video of where I covered this last year, if you want to look at a video version of it. Um, but the whole point is to just remember what Passover is, remember what it means, and I hope that devotional at the end uh, just really spoke to you. Especially about the, you know, I think about the spring, and spring has begun. And I just really hope that you've been filled with hope this morning. I pray that this has blessed you. Thanks for listening, and uh, Lord willing, I'll be back again at some point this week. We're going to read the Exodus story and, of course, uh, the, uh, the death and resurrection story as well. Can't have one without the other. And uh, so that's what's on uh, the radar for the remainder of this week. And I'll get to it as soon as time is available. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.